20 Staubgold, dein Leben kann man nicht ganz glücklich sein. Traurig lebt sich fort das Leben, mancher Kummer stellt sich ein, mancher Kummer stellt sich you're listening to the thoroughly good classical music podcast a conversation between audience member and artist designed to demystify the classical music and opera experience if you enjoy the thoroughly good classical music podcast and really who wouldn't please consider supporting it for as little as two dollars a month visit patreon.com forward slash thoroughly good to pledge your support tell me what you can see out of your window what do we see out of my window? Um, I see the roofs of Vienna. I see um, the hills that are around Vienna. And it's a beautiful, gorgeous, sunny day. And I, I think this is absolutely the best thing of, of these couple of, of, of weeks, that it's been the most beautiful march that I have ever seen. It's just I cannot go for a walk, but, but I can at least see it from my roof. <laughs> podcasts in one week that is what a global emergency results in this thoroughly good emergency classical music podcast features the bournemouth symphony orchestra young conductor in association marta gordolinska talking about her experience responding to isolation and lockdown in austria and specifically the music she's turned to over the past few days in search of emotional support What's slowly dawning on me in this new phase of the podcast and the resulting conversations with people is that music, specifically listening to it, provides a much-needed channel for expressing a mindset, the mindset that we need to confront, process and manage ourselves through this weird and challenging phase in our lives. And different people say different things. Sometimes people don't say explicitly what they're feeling or how they're dealing with it. Sometimes people don't realise quite what quite what they are saying but the language that acts as the mediator is to my mind music the music that classical music fans like me love and if you get people to extemporize on why they're seeking out that music you'll get a sense of the strengths they're bringing to bear to make sense of the challenge we're all facing and in hearing that you might get some tips the more we do that, the more we help one another and maintain the very sector which is at present, along with a great many other precarious industries, at peril. I spoke to Marta on Friday the 20th of March 2020. Um, so why don't we start with um, who you are and what you would normally do if we weren't in the middle of this particular thing? Yeah, um, well, I'm a conductor and I am currently um, the Young Conductor in Association at the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra and I do a bit of guesting here and there. And actually March and April were supposed to be quite intense for me. I, um, I, I On the 2nd of March, I had just came back from Los Angeles where I finished my fellowship with, um, with Gustavo Dudamel 
with LA Phil. And I was just getting ready to um, for a debut with Royal Northern Sinfonia, where I was supposed to conduct um, the second and fifth symphony by Beethoven and the new commission by Nora Marazaita, really, really interesting little piece inspired by by Beethoven and um, it was all within obviously within the um, anniversary, Beethoven anniversary. And right after that, I was going to um, to Poole to have my first main season concert with the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra. Also a wonderful program with um, Sheherazade by Rimsky Korsakov and the third piano concerto by Rachmaninoff. Um, so it was all very exciting and I was um, you know, deeply in my scores and ready for, for my travels when everything changed quite dramatically, basically overnight. I um, um, I want yeah. to just, I, I, I think I'm right in saying I saw you conducting in Portsmouth and, and it was in yeah. a program with, uh, that included Beethoven Piano Concerto number five. Is that right? Mm-hmm. It was number four. Oh, it's number four. <laughs> Yeah. Oops. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I really enjoyed that concert, and actually, I was really struck by how um, I, I can't remember his name, but how relaxed the pianist was. It was like he was sort of. Um, it, it was it was as though he was sort of just strolling on for a rehearsal. I mean, it was a fantastic. Don't get me wrong; it's a fantastic concert, but but um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, he's he's pretty chill. He's. Um... The thing is that he he has a lot of background also in uh, in other areas of music. He has a he has a rock band and he does a lot of contemporary music. So um, he he doesn't like you know the, the stiffness and sort of the um, concert hall um, routine that happens sometimes. He just likes to perform for people and and have fun with that. So that, that's why I really like to make music with him because of that exactly. Uh, I tell, tend to go to the other side, and I have a nice balance from him. Tell me about Dudamel. I'm looking at your Instagram account, and um, he uh, he sort of exudes warmth and enthusiasm, not least when he's conducting, uh, because he conducts with an enormous amount of energy. But uh, what is he like as as uh, when he's not on the platform? He's really nice. He's extremely um, ex- excited about music. He loves music. He really likes to talk about it. Um, and what's incredible is that, you know, he, he has a pretty crazy schedule. He's really busy. And um, there's also a lot of people always wanting to talk to him. He's pretty much a, you know, a rock star type of uh, artist and everybody knows him in, in L.A. So um, there's always, you know, this little crowd of people trying to get to him, talk to him. And he, he does his best to have a moment for, for everyone. So... Um, I, I felt really privileged that I got to work with him because um, I was lucky enough that we were doing Ives's uh, fourth symphony, which, which requires two conductors, mm-hmm. which meant um, I was actually, you know, sitting and just practicing with him a little bit because I had to be on stage and sort of disturb him. I don't know how well you know Ives's fourth. But I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm afraid. Music sort of falling apart at at points and the orchestra splitting in two or three ensembles that do different things in different tempi. And um, that was really, really exciting, you know, taking care of of those parts of the music and basically, you know, being on stage with him and, and conducting with him. 
What do you do? What What do you think? If you come to reflect on it, what do you think that you learn from him, or what do you think you have learned from him? I think um, spontaneity. He's very spontaneous about taking musical decisions and um, and sort of not forgetting the joy of it because he's um, you know like so it's a serious institution, serious orchestra, and he he is right at the top of of our business. And when he's on the podium, when he's rehearsing, he seems, you know, like a like a kid in a candy store. He just loves it, and he and the orchestra smiles because he he sort of transmits this really good positive energy. Um, and another thing I think, which is sort of a staple of of his performances and his attitude, is the fact that he always gives his hundred percent in every performance and you know, being with him over these two weeks and seeing how much he's doing, I was absolutely in awe um, at the fact that he really has that energy and he never lets go, even though the the schedule is really tight and um, a lot of music is going through um, through his, his programming. I, um, I'm struck by how... For a, for a conductor, it's I'm making loads of assumptions. I have some I have some memory of conducting way back hundreds of years ago when I was a student. But um, I have this idea that you have to bring so much of yourself to the conducting experience that when there is a, a fairly brutal interruption to to daily life as we are now experiencing, that that conducting is. Obviously, one can't do it because there's no one to conduct because one is in isolation. Yeah. But I'm 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 wondering, as an artist, at least if you're a violinist, you have a you have an instrument that you can play, even if you're not playing with other people. But as a conductor, if there is no one there to conduct, then then your your musical expression is sort of is throttled. That's my assumption. Is is that am I am I right about that, or am I missing a perspective? Um, you're right about this. I mean, we we are nothing really without without the, our musicians. And um, but I think, in a sense, we are also blessed by the fact that we can. A big part of being a master, a big part of doing the job, is sitting with the scores and um, trying to understand them, learning, analyzing. And there is the way that the the music business works, there's never enough time, I, I have a feeling, especially at the beginning, to to really spend time with the scores. So in a sense, this moment of a pause, or like a forced pause, can be a little bit of a blessing, where you really can just sit, sit again at the desk and really go back to studying scores the way it was possible, um, you know, during your studies. And I, I, for example, am enjoying this very much, revising things that I have learned before and coming up with new ideas and really taking time um, in a calm way to learn the music. And also, I mean, I think it's healthy for every conductor and I, I believe every conductor has some form of musical expression um, that they can do alone. Many of us play an instrument um, or sing and um, so that's like we, we we are all musicians so we, we always have something that we, we probably wouldn't do on a professional level or on stage but we have something that we can do for our own pleasure 
I find the the reframing of the situation that you've just done um, incredibly calming and reassuring. Um, I wonder how you got to that stage. I mean, I'm 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 talking about only three or four days since since everything sort of really escalated. But did you did you go through a series of stages before you got to that? No, this is how I'm going to devote my time, or or was it almost immediate? No, it, it it took some time, and actually, for me, um, it it has started, I think, a little bit earlier because I am in Vienna right now in Austria, and um, here all the events and group gatherings have been cancelled ten days ago already. So um, the first couple of days, um, I actually were the most difficult because on one hand, I already knew that the life is stopping. In Austria, but in England, um, it wasn't yet. It seemed like everything was going forward, and I had this this strange dissonance in my head of how can it be that people are, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to really leave my home here, but I'm about to go to another country and perform for a full full room of people, and that's uh, that was definitely a very stressful stressful time, and I was sort of full in a trying to be still pulled in, in like in a full speed. Um, but at the same time feeling a little bit stopped. And, um, but then when I, when I finally heard, okay, that no concerts of, of what I had planned are happening. Um, I definitely did need one, two days to, uh, to realize it and to shift gears. And I'm not sure even if, if I already know exactly how to use this time best. But um, I think what helps is, in my personal experience, is that I have been pushed already a couple of times into situations where I was completely out of control, in a sense, where my plans have been um, completely changed from you know one moment to, to another. Most recently, the, the two times that I had to jump in for other conductors um, with the BSO. It was sort of the opposite situation where I was sort of calmly assisting and and doing my passive part, and suddenly um, I heard there's a cancellation and the concert uh, has to be led by me, and suddenly you know from from okay you know say 60% of activity to a 200, um, and that's what what sort of I think made me understand that um, it, it's good to plan things definitely, but it's even better to to know how to be flexible and um, to not hang on to the plans too tightly. And that, that, that is something that I definitely was a difficult lesson for me because um, I don't know, I don't know if it's a personality question of, or education or, or upbringing. I love to have plans and fulfill my plans and go by it, yes. by a schedule and by a routine. And um, I think these past, Two three years have been a constant lesson of um, humility and um, just going with the flow. Um, yeah. Um, what has surprised you about how you've sort of responded to the past few days? I don't mean how you've responded publicly. I mean, as in you know mm-hmm. what how you've how you've managed yourself. What has surprised you? Um, sorry, can you can you repeat? I, I so I'm I'm sort of interested. I I I like the, I really 
um, respond in a positive way to the to the stages that you've gone to to arrive at where you are at the moment and and this idea of sort of having a light grasp I really respond positively to that I'm wondering if there's anything in how you've responded to the past seven days that has surprised you about yourself uh, I think well, uh, the, the biggest surprise was when I realized just how nervous I was up until the moment the situation was clear, I, I didn't know how how much I dread uncertainty. I didn't I really didn't realize that. That I that if if there is one thing that I hate most is not being sure what is going to happen in the next day, in the in the next couple of weeks. And um I think this has been the biggest lesson for me. Definitely. The other thing that I'm asking uh, people that I'm speaking to now, uh, because because it's the only thing that I can really ask people. Well, and also because I'm interested. I'm interested in it. Um, and this stems from, uh, I've mentioned it in other podcasts. I mentioned it for the third and the last time. I, I On the day when things started to, to come together for me, when I began to realise actually that, that we're going into, we're transitioning into a different phase at the moment, um, I made the mistake of listening to Schoenberg's Verklärtenacht and and it almost pushed me over the edge. And, and that at that moment in time, I thought there are certain pieces that I can't listen to right now and there are other pieces of music that I absolutely can and so I'm sort of interested in knowing what music you have turned to over the past seven days can you can you give me a, a sense of the your go-to pieces or your go-to works yeah I've been actually quite lucky because the the next project that I'm hoping that will still go through has um two pieces that I think are very very healthy and very secure to listen to at the moment. And one is um, Mamere Way by Ravel. Basically, you know, this beautiful pastel um, depiction of uh, of fairy tales. So it's just such a calm way to of escaping a little bit from from all the stress and all the all the things that are um, difficult to understand at the moment. At the moment, um, and another piece from the same program is the Lark Ascending by Vaughan Williams. Freedom, of, at least for your for your soul, 
and I, I th- these are the pieces that I that I spent a couple of last days with. Um, you but- are you are I'm sorry to interrupt you. You are uh, Polish. Uh, I'm interested in understanding how you hear the lark ascending. When I hear the lark ascending, I, I think of country lanes and 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 bushes and uh, you know hot Sunday afternoons and sort of um, sort of a post-war period in time that that's what that music evokes for me but i i wonder what it evokes for you do you do you have what sort of imagery do you have aside from a lark ascending um i think you know i think for for me it is um not so much um not i i don't think i have such clear pictures in my in my mind as you know i'm a feel the sky cloud rather than a feeling of of freedom you know if if, if you know what i mean i think if you if, uh, i think i would have to sort of um go to to beethoven and his pastoral symphony where he talks about he he, he underlines that he wasn't trying to compose um a forest and a walk in a forest but he was trying to compose the feelings that one gets when one is one with nature and i think it's this this similar situation for me with with the lark ascending that it's this um a certain longing for freedom maybe and and a certain nostalgia in it what does it what does it what does it leave you with at the end of it sorry what does it leave you with at the end of the piece um feeling of calm you know like a and and yeah, being calm and um, one with with the destiny, I guess. Yeah, just you know, at peace. Um, also on your list, I think I'm right in saying is Strauss's four last songs. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I have a I have an odd um, relationship with Strauss's Four Last Songs because the first time that I ever heard it performed live was during the proms and I was proming. I was in the third row and I had miscounted and I started applauding loudly after the third song and a friend of mine okay. turned turned to me and, went and mouthed at me. There are four. You need to stop clapping now. Um, and so I wasn't able to, in all seriousness, I wasn't able to listen to them again because whenever anybody proposed listening to them, I was completely transported back to that moment in the Brahms. I was massively embarrassed, but at least in a sense, I did get on the radio. Uh, you obviously, you include them for another reason. Tell me why you you include them today. Um, I think that they are even kind of an um, obvious choice. They were, um, she wrote them, uh, when he was already really old, shortly before he died, and um, three of them, of them, except for the um, thrilling spring, talk about death and um, ending. But um, there's a lot of consolation there in them. It's not there isn't much fear, there isn't much confusion. It's all about accepting one's destiny and accepting the fact that. Um, Things changed, and that um, you know we 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 are destined to we we won't be here for always, and we shouldn't be taking for granted. Mm-hmm. 
happening right now, it's, it's such a strange thing to even be talking about it, because I, I always, you know, learning history, we know about the great, two, two great wars that were in the, that happened in the 20th century, and uh, we know that the, our grandparents and grandparents and great-grandparents had those um, life-changing experiences and took part in, in those historical moments, and it kind of feels like something very big is happening like right now, but it's very strange to actually say it out loud. So I think um, going back to those incredible pieces um, that deal with these um, these topics is is helpful. It's, it's um, yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that. That that reminds me that at various points during this week, I've sort of, um, in a rather bizarre way, I've. I've been thinking a lot about my grandparents and my grandmother who evacuated her children, my mother and my aunt, um, to the country uh, at the outbreak of the Second World War. And actually a lot of my thinking and a lot of my sort of almost catastrophization has, has taken me back to perceived images of their experience. I have no, I mean, other than the first-hand stories that my mother told, has told me, um, it's it's quite interesting how that sort of this this global experience this um this massive shift that has been imposed on everybody stirs up a lot of um historical thinking even though we haven't experienced it ourselves and i and i wonder whether actually uh, a lot of the repertoire will suddenly be given a new um seems a bit weird to say this but a new sense of purpose a new sort of a new impetus as people start exploring the works in the way that 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 we are now because they are they have a a topicality to them a timeliness to them uh, which makes them incredibly vital at this moment in time yeah it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting way to way to see it definitely and, and you're probably right because these these pieces were written from you know the deepest need of, of of heart and from the deepest experiences and and we've been sort of we had to be treating them a little bit in, like you know taking them from a museum and rather than than really performing them out of experience and yeah that's inter- that's think- interesting because that 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 then makes me think actually maybe this situation gives it gives the repertoire more universal relevance where you know when you were talking about um there has been a tendency for some to regard classical music performances as sort of museum museum experiences and yet actually maybe in a in a uh, a moment where there is a collective emotional need and we're reaching out for for music to heal or support or affirm that actually it's it's given that uh, classical music will will provide that in spades because we have this whole back catalogue of of works that have been created by people who were responding to just that very need in the past. Yes, absolutely. I think um, this situation definitely will be a reminder of the basic questions that humanity has been always asking, and um, like in the you know very quick um, technologically. Uh, in technological world that we 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 are living now, still we, we sort of forgot about asking them. I think we're sort of pushing them away. It's, it's it's been easy to do that, and right now we all have to 
stop for a moment and there is a, a space again to reflect to reflect and to uh, to rethink and ask these questions again and i think if if going back to the to the south if there's one there well there are two moments that i think particularly are important for me and they're my favorite moments of the of the songs um one is sort of in the middle of the um autumn uh song it's this it's a violin solo um it's a gorgeous melody it's just so beautiful and then the the soprano comes in and uh sings un diesel una wacht um and flies so the the soul una wacht it's like um unprotected in a sense uncontrolled just spread itself and flies so again this this incredible picture of freedom of absolute um freedom and openness and the, the way that it can only be depicted in i think in music so that's one moment that is extremely hopeful and, and uplifting and then at the end of the last song um im Abendrot, uh, the last words that are sung are is this their thought so is is this death and that is followed by a quotation from from an early piece by Bechtel, the Death and Transfiguration, which is such a fantastic way of building an arch over his whole creation, Bechtel's whole creation, and again, sort of showing that he's been thinking about this thing from the very beginning of his life and the beginning of his creative life. And he shows us that as artists, this is our this is our task, sort of not letting people just sit in their everyday superficial uh, life, but pulling them in and and sort of reminding them that there are higher things and things beyond our understanding that we can we can try to reach. Um, also on the list, I notice under the under the banner of bonuses um, in the email that was sent to me that uh, you want to analyse Bruckner symphonies whilst you have this break. Is that is that have I understood that correctly? Yes, I mean that that's that was meant a little bit, um, I believe, lightly um, because you know we have a lot of time and uh, right now on our hands, and I think you know if you want to go into really complex music. I think Bruckner gives us a lot of um, a lot of field to just dig through and analyze and, and check and um, look at his fantastic form building and counterpoint. And it's the same with with Wagner operas, which has been my little side project right now. Um, where I I, <laughs> I, lo- I, I, lo- I love that you describe a Wagner opera as a side project. <laughs> <laughs> it's like like it's a Sunday afternoon task or something. It's just a yeah. little thing that I do on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, no, just by cooking it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I basically, you know, I, I always wanted to spend some time, but but that that's the point. That it's such immense music, so complicated and so huge in 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 its in its scope that it it doesn't fit into the normal everyday life. So I, again, I sort of saw an, an, an opportunity here that um, I can can go into that that world a little bit. That's great. Is there is there anything else that you'd like to say that I haven't asked you? Um, 
Well, uh, I think one thing that uh, that maybe I should have mentioned when we were talking about coping with the situation is something that I I like to remind fellow musicians and I like to talk about, which is sort of the mental and physical health that we we all need. And maybe it's also time right now to go back and observe um, oneself a little bit and go back into into breathing maybe and um, and scanning a little bit our body and see what are the things that in everyday life we miss that may cause um, more stress than necessary or more tension than necessary. And I think this is, again, an opportunity to... Um, to go into those things and 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 exercise that a little bit. Uh, I think that's a really powerful thing and a really useful thing, uh, and I really appreciate that. I'm going to take that and uh, and call it my own. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, uh, and tell me what you can see out of your window. What do I see out of my window? Um, I see the roofs of Vienna. I see um, the hills that are around Vienna, and it's a beautiful, gorgeous, sunny day. And I, th- I think this is absolutely the best thing of of these couple of, of, of weeks, that it's been the most beautiful march that I have ever seen. It's just I cannot go for a walk, but, but I can at least see it from my roof. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Take care. Pleasure. All right, then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Emergency Classical Music Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting its production for as little as $2 a month via Patreon. Just visit patreon.com forward slash thoroughly good. Your support is very much appreciated. It will help pay the bills.